Welcome to the podcast at the Hill. You're about to hear a message from Pastor John Vella entitled "Rejoice Always." What a wonderful night to be in the house of the Lord. As you can see, my topic tonight will be "Rejoice Always." I could probably stop there. We just go home, right? Rejoice always. That, that's easy. That is easy. If you have your Bibles, the Scripture is coming from Joel, the second chapter, verses twenty-one through twenty-seven. I will be advised, I will skip around, so bear with me. Joel, the second chapter, 21 through 27. It'll be on the screen for you, and I'll read it aloud. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. And he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall be overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. There is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And the Lord have the blessing of tonight's word. So I just read you that. That was a good bit. And I want to ask you something. The last thing you want to hear when you're going through a tough time or a devastating time in your life is, hey, things aren't that bad. Hey, smile. It could be worse. Or my favorite, chin up, it'll get better. Have you ever had that? You're just going through something and somebody just wants to come along and just, just give you a pep talk. Have you ever had that? Okay, just me again. <laughs> I'm sure that's how the, exactly the way the people felt when the prophet Joel came through and said what he said. Now remember, they just come through this this. This locust, this locust infestation where it just took everything from them. So they're going through this tough, this bad time. In a matter of hours, you see, everything green, can you imagine? Everything green was gone from these locusts. They had no crops. They had no, no way to, to, to make a living. They had no grain offerings. They had no livestock. They had nothing. They couldn't eat. They couldn't worship. And here comes Joel, the prophet. And he's speaking these wise words. And at the time, it's really, really good and wise words. But the people are just shaking their heads. Where are you? Who are you? Who are you to tell me what to think and what to believe and what to feel? We've all been in that situation. Or we're 
down in the dumps, and somebody wants to come along and just cheer us right up with, with something we really don't want to hear. So we jump into verse 21, and he goes, basically he says, fear not. Verse 22, he says, don't be afraid. What are you talking about, Joel? Don't you see what is going on? Don't you see what has happened? You're telling me not to be afraid? Verse 23, he, he kind of summarizes and says, be glad and rejoice. Okay, now you've lost your mind. Okay, I can understand the other ones, but now you're telling me to rejoice and be happy? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think I can do that. Then he continues on. The Lord has done great things. Well, if this is an example of some, some great things the Lord has done, I don't feel a part of it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just guesstimating what, what the people were, were probably saying when Job come along and give them this rah-rah pep talk. But as I put it into perspective in today's world, and I think about us and the church and the people around, I think about what about the people that maybe have, have lost a job or they didn't get a promotion or they've, they've lost a parent, a, a child, a spouse. They didn't get into that college. They didn't, I, I can just go on and on and on. I can, I can go down and maybe it's your situation. So I'm kind of I'm, I'm thinking about it in that way, in that term. Maybe life is just smacks you right on the forehead with something. And you've got Joel coming along and just trying to give you these wise words. So I want to help you out tonight. I want to kind of break down this, 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 this scripture for you and how we can apply it to our lives. In the middle of all this, Joel is coming along to tell us, fear not, don't be afraid, be glad and rejoice. So I want, I want you to kind of just let them, them, them words just kind of roll around your head tonight as I, as I go through this. Why? Because no matter what locust invasion you're going through, the Lord has done great things. No matter what you're going through, the Lord has done great things. Whatever you're going through. Let's be honest. We can all think of a, a time in our, in our lives when he's done something really good. No matter the bad situation that we're in. Maybe you're, let me, let me give you an example. Maybe your locust invasion is fear. Maybe, maybe it's fear. It, it says in the Bible, fear is talked about 266 times. I love electronic Bible resources. I didn't look all that up. I just, just scroll through it. So I'm going to read you all 266 of them. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It, 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 fear starts in the beginning in Genesis, and it goes all the way through the Bible to Revelation. Fear is all up in the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. Verse 21, it says, it says, here in the middle, it makes six promises the Lord is making to his people. And he's still making it today to us. How is it possible to, to not be afraid in, in, in times like these? If you look around, if you watch the news, I don't encourage you to, but it, it's pretty sad. 
desperate times, how, how, can, how can we get through it? Did you know that fear is different for, for different people? Take, for example, an adult and a, and a child. Okay, we've got two people, adult and a child. Fear is different. Years ago, Heather and I, we went skiing in Colorado. And we watched uh, people go up and down the ski hill. And we were on the little bunny trail. And it was our first time. And, and I, watched, I watched these kids, like little kids, like just zoom, zoom, just go back and forth. And so, and I, I barely get my ski on. I'm clumsy as it is. So I'm, 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 I'm trying to get, just get going. So finally, after struggling for so long, I, I asked the lady, I said, ma'am, why is it fear is different from these young kids to other adults? Because the other adults were struggling with it too. And listen to what she told me. She says, children, kids, they have no, they have they have no fear. I take that back. They have, they have smaller fear. Us as adults, we know if we get on that ski ramp and we break our leg, we're, we're going down a, a, a job, a paycheck, a rent. Uh, we can just go on and on and on. The kids, children, they don't think about that. They don't think about it. They just get on it and go. So fear is different from adults and it's, it's different from people. But that, that may be yours. So how is it possible to be glad and rejoice when it's, everything's going around us? It's because God, it says in Scripture, God has promised to do great things. I want to read you a scripture in the, in the Message Bible. It's in Isaiah 41.10. It says, don't panic. Oh, I just love those words. Don't panic. Don't panic. I am with you. There is no need to fear. I am your God. I will give you strength. I will help you. I'll hold you steady, and I'll keep a firm grip on you. God is saying, don't be afraid. I'm right here on this roller coaster of life. How many people like roller coasters? Okay, okay, okay. Don't you hate it when you see those roller coasters and they get up there? I've seen it recently, they get stuck. Why do people get back on the roller coaster and you know it's going to get, or I'm not saying, it could get stuck. That's scary. I, I'm seeing more and more of that. Somebody needs to do a better job. But God's saying, this roller coaster of life, don't panic. I've got you. I've got you. Here's the beautiful thing. I want you to notice in verse 21 that God promises, his promises are sure, so sure that he has sealed them in the past tense. It says, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Some versions some version of the Bible say it, it says he has done great things. Think about the past tense of your life. Think, think, about, think about it. What great and marvelous things has he, has he done for you? Now you can apply it whenever you're in your own desperate times. Think about the past. Now apply it to a fresh uh, presence. God has already accomplished and has sealed the promises that we have yet to experience. Continue on, uh, Joel 18 and 21, 18, 2 and 18, 19. I told you I was going to skip around, so bear with me. It says, The Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. You will be satisfied by them. 
I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. Make no mistake about it. Whatever you're going through now, or whatever you might go through in the future, He's going to have you. He's going to take care of you. Verse 18 says that God became jealous. Also, other translation says he's, he's zealous for his land. But here's the thing. He's not really talking about the land it, it, itself. It's not. His concern is the fact that prom the promises of the land. That's God's major concern right there. And he's jealous and zealous of keeping promises that he's given to us. God's, God's word, it, it's never failed. You've heard that like thousands of times from this pulpit. His word never fails. Matthew 6, 25 says, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, or what you will put on. God is passionate about us and keeping our promises. It's so important just to rejoice always. I know in desperate times that it's tough to, to have that mindset, have that mind frame of, I've got to just rejoice. I've got to rejoice. But you don't know what I'm going through. Like, you've got to rejoice. Does it mean we'll ever go through times where we're going to do without? Of course not. There was times when the Apostle Paul was, was hungry and he, he was cold. There was times when Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. Matthew uh, chapter 8 states about that. Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. God told his people in this verse, he says, I'm going to send you grain, and I'm going to send you wine, and I'm going to send you oil. Notice he says, I'm going to send you the basics to survive. So many times people, will, they want more, more, more. God's like, I've given it to you. I've given you the basics, what you need to survive. That's what he says here. He told him he was going to make them satisfied. He was going to give them contentment. Are you contentment? Are you content with the circumstances around you? Have you stopped and looked and thanked him for the, the situation that you're in? Oh, but I'm in a bad situation. But God's providing you with the necessities that you leave. I mean, that you need. Are you still asking for more? God's saying, I've given you the necessities that you need. He's providing for you. No matter what this life has to throw at you. Be glad and rejoice. Be glad and rejoice. I sound like a broken record, but I just, I, after reading this so much, it just struck me. I was like, just be glad and rejoice. Be glad and rejoice. Yeah. There's got to be a song or something out there for it. Chad, is there a song for that? God has promised us his provision. He's faithful to keep his promises. He has also promised us protection. I love that. Protection. We all want to be protected. We all want to be kept safe. Joel 2.20 says, These people have just come through a locust invasion. They were thinking about their economy. They weren't thinking about their national defense. But here's the thing. They had just come through this, this invasion of a locust. And they were vulnerable. They were weak. And you can bet their enemies saw that. But in the middle of this vulnerable moment, God reminded him of his protection, his promise to protect them. Have you ever noticed 
Temptation, there's this thing, the temptation, it comes around and it gets you, maybe just in the moment. But temptation comes around when you're most vulnerable. Anybody else? Temptation comes to you when you're, when you're, when you're most vulnerable. The enemy isn't going to attack you when, you when you're strong. Right? We're walking around, we, we've got our, our, our shield of faith up and everything like that. The enemy's like, no, I'll come back later. I'll come back later. And it catches you off guard when you're weak and you're vulnerable. The enemy comes in and creeps in and attacks you with temptation. He's gonna, the enemy's going to attack you when you're exhausted and you're tired and you're dis, dis, disoriented. You're emotional. That's when the enemy comes around and attacks you. John 10, the, Jesus describes the devil as a thief who comes to kill, seal, and destroy. You notice the thief doesn't attack you when you're well, not vulnerable, right? A robber, somebody comes around, you know, you've got the house lit up, security system, they don't want to mess you. They come around when you're weak, when you're not home, when you're most vulnerable. But in Christ, God has promised us protection. He is, you know what he's doing? He's keeping an eye on the enemy. So all we have to do is keep our eyes on him. He's keeping an eye on the enemy for us. He's protecting us. All we have to do is keep our eyes on him. 1 Peter 5 eight says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But I want to take you back to the verses 6 and 7. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, at the proper time you may exalt, casting all your anxieties with him, because he cares for you. Can I tell you that? He cares for you. The situation, the mess you're in right now, he still cares for you. If you keep your eyes on him, he's keeping an eye out for the enemy. God has promised us for his protection, and he's faithful to keep his promises. How many believe that? He's faithful to keep his promises. Next, he's promised a regeneration. Joel 2.22 says, Do not be afraid, you beast of the field, for the open pastures are springing up. The tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. I want you to notice something about this. For the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit, and the tree and the vine yield their strength. He's talking present tense right there. Listen, it says the pastures are green, and it says the tree is bearing fruit. The fig tree and the vine are giving their full yield. Can you imagine? Think again what the people were thinking when they heard Joel come around saying this. They had just been wiped out completely. And Joel comes along and says this in the present tense. Joel, have you lost your mind? Look around. We've got nothing left. Now, I don't know much about fig trees. And I don't know much about vines. But I do have something called G-O-O-G-L-E. Google. And I looked it up and it says 
A fig tree can take as long as six years to bear, to bear fruit. It can take up to six years to bear fruit. And the, a grapevine can take anywhere from two to five years to bear fruit. And so after this locust invasion, the ground was just destroyed. It was completely stripped of all the vegetation. More than likely, it was just a big dust bowl. And once that happens, you know, you know, vegetation, it can't grow. It's, it's not going to come green. It, it's wiped out. I don't need a farmer's almanac to tell me that. I just, just kind of figured it out. Once it's dusty and everything like that, you're not going to see the green vegetation for a while. Sometimes it takes, it, it takes decades for the locust invasion to come along and produce the crops again. Take, for example, in today's world, if we had a hurricane or tornado, earthquakes, fire, the one in Hawaii is spitting out lava every time I turn on the TV. Can you just imagine the rebuilds and everything that you have to go through to get it all back? But through Joel, God was promising the people that new crops were happening as he was speaking. Right then and there. That can only happen in the regenerated miracle of God. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 say, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with he has loved us, even when we were in dead in our trespasses, made us alive again in Christ. Made us alive. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is Christ, is a new creation. We know the old has passed away. You see, when you trust in Jesus, the old is gone. The new, the new is raised up and is more alive. So be glad and rejoice. Be glad and rejoice. Joel 2.23, it says, this, now this one was a little bit more difficult. I had to kind of pilfer through this one. And just, I'm just going to give you my take on it. The reason that they say it's so difficult to kind of translate it, because it talks about the raining. And this idea of the rain coming. I think it's so difficult because Joel was using the word and the meanings of the mind. Even though the situation around you isn't fair, you can be glad and rejoice because God's making all things right. Let me talk to these people over here. Even though the situation you're not in may not be favorable or you may not enjoy it, God's making it right. Right where you're at. In the present tense. In the present tense. That's a promise. That's a promise we can all hold on to. That we can all keep on. Joel 2, 24 through 25. I'm getting there. So I will restore you to the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Finally, God has acknowledged, has acknowledged locust plague. But notice he didn't really do it out of pity. He didn't do it by telling them to get to work, start fixing the problem. No, God didn't do it that way. He acknowledged it to them that he was going to restore everything that they had lost. But not only that, he was going to restore it overflowing. Now I want to tell you something that could give you a little secret. Whatever you make, 
see you on TV or hear on the internet. God's not just going to overflow you with non-essential things. He's going to give you the things that you need. Material abundance. He's not going to just overflow you with material abundance. Hate to break the bad news. He's not going to do that. But what he has promised is that if you lose something or if you give something up, he will restore it to you eternally and overflowing in abundance. Isn't that amazing? If you give something up or if you lose something and you give it up for God, he says, I'll, I'll restore it and I'll give it back to you. Oh, but we love that word, overflowing. Just overflowing, Lord. Overflowing abundance to us. Overflowing. Be glad and rejoice. Be glad and rejoice. Whatever you think that you've lost, he's going to restore it to you. Probably not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not next week. But it says in the scripture that he will restore it to us eternally. That we can hold on to that promise. Be glad and rejoice. I should have taught him a message. Be glad and rejoice. And finally, Joel 26, 2, 26 through 27. And he says, I am the Lord your God. Oh, this is powerful right here. God is promising these people that they are his people. And he is their God. I am your, the Lord your God. He comes just straight out and just tells them. That is what we need to hear tonight. Sometimes we get in a desperate situation and we look all around us, but we forget those words. I am the Lord your God. He is promising in the midst of that that he will be with us. Matthew 1, 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And the Word was God. Amen. And now follow up the verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came to fulfill God's promises of a relationship. Whatever you're going through, he wants to remind you, I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. Be glad and rejoice. Jesus came to restore your brokenness and mine. He came to restore it. He came to make it better. He came to give you a new life in Him, in all of us. Be glad and rejoice. Be glad and rejoice. I close tonight with a simple story. If you'll stand with me tonight. Many, many, many years ago, The early American Indians had this unique practice of training young, young Indians, young braves. And what they would do is, when it was time for a young brave, 
young, young Indian to go out after he had accomplished the fishing and the hunting and the scouting. On his 13th birthday, he was put to one final test. He would be placed in a dense forest. He would be escorted out into the forest. And what they would do, they would take, they would take that young brave and they would blindfold him. He couldn't see. He didn't know what was around him. He had to stay the night. So once he was in the forest, completely black, he removed the blindfold and he had to survive. And he would go the whole night and every time he'd hear trees crack, he would think it was an animal or a stranger or something to come and get him. And he was startled all night. And this young Indian, this brave, this 13-year-old boy, he thought of the skills and everything that he had grown up to know. Finally, what seemed like eternity, dawn began to break. And you can see that the sunlight just kind of creep through the trees. And the morning fog began to burn off. And he, the, the, the young brave, the young boy would look around and he'd see the flowers and the green and the pastures and the wonderful things. But then out of the corner of his eye, he saw a shadow. And he looked and it was his father. His father standing there with a bow and arrow. You see, his father had been in that forest the whole night, right behind him. Can I tell you, that's our Father in Heaven. That's our Father in Heaven. When you're in that dark, dark forest, and you think there's no way out, and there's nothing going on, and you're fearing, your Father is right behind you the whole time. Protecting you. Protecting you the whole time. Whatever you may be going through, the Lord is always watching over you. I want to leave you with a scripture tonight. And if you need prayer, Chad's going to sing and we're going to want to pray over you. But I want to leave you with this last scripture. And it pertains to this boy getting in the, in the forest and his father watching over him. Isaiah 43, 2, it says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Come on, somebody needs to hear this tonight. When you go through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Whatever you're going through, be glad and rejoice. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at forcehillcog.org 
Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Forest Hill COG, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.